Okay, cool. All right, yeah, awesome. Uh, oh, yeah, I figured it out. I don't know, because some people are weird, but... Some people are specific and feel like they have to control every right. level of their narrative. Like when, you, when you're when you hosting a show... By the way, you, you, know, sound, you sound amazing. Good. <laughs> when you host a show and you're just like... Some people are like, I don't know, fuck it, whatever credits you want. Or uh-huh. the opposite, where it's like, I was a writer on Broad City for a half episode <laughs> and was fired. <laughs> Can you uh, make sure it's Caroline with a Y, but sounds like an I? <laughs> In pronunciation, people know. Anyway, welcome to Infinity License, everybody. We're joined here by friend, uh, fellow New York City resident, uh, comedian, and tour, tour guide, and New York City extraordinaire expert, uh, Lance Bacher. I'm happy Woo. to be here. Uh, I'm honored that I'm considered an expert. You're extraordinaire, too. And an extraordinaire. You're extraordinaire. You're very literate. What? I think Lance is my, my Lance and I are fr- became friends in a stand-up comedy class about four or we five did. years ago. With Corey Kahaney. Corey Kahaney. teacher who was on Colbert last year. She was. And was phenomenal. She won, and she won not... Colbert, but she was on, was it America's Got Talent or something like that, too? I, I think didn't it was, see that one. Oh, okay. I, I think she was, Probably. What was her I talent? think her, uh, just stand up. She was just like, a, she's, uh, like a, uh, she's really good. She's a great, uh, she, she was a good teacher. Uh, people had her criticism of her, but I think she's a great teacher. I took the class because I used to watch her on Tough Crowd with Colin Quinn when I was a nerdy kid in high school and was like, ooh, it's co- comedians talking about politics on a Friday. I don't, yeah. have, I don't have friends. That was before <laughs> they were, uh, when Bill Maher swept our generation with his uh, hard-hitting New night. rule. No Colin Quinn, okay? <laughs> New rule. All the virgins at Google need to give up their self-driving cars. <laughs> um, anyway, but yeah, so we went... And since then, we've been uh, we've been friends. We've been yeah, sharing books. I love the class. Uh, I don't know. I guess people had criticisms, but I think it's because... They weren't amazing at stand-up comedy who, in three weeks. Who, yeah, who is? Who I are the remaining? Uh, and I think you are the most active on the the comedy scene still. I I'm sem. I call myself semi-active. I'm like, I'm yeah, a, you know, I'm a minor um, league player. That was my goal for everyone else to fail and for me to fail less. You know, it's the only way to yeah. succeed in showbiz. Lance, were you at the uh, show where I drunkenly engaged in heckling, uh, but like very positive? I think heckling. Uh, it was at an apartment above Union Square. Uh, Brian performed. Um, oh yeah, it was probably my brother's apartment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that yeah, was, yeah so those were good shows. That was like when we first started. We yeah. did, yeah. we did two shows. There. The first show I did, we, we did there. I did really well. I, I, not to pat my own back, but then the second show, that was the show that we. The mic broke. Do you remember this oh, one? Oh, yes. yeah, I think yeah. this is the yes. one that I was yeah. at. And I was, was coming I, and I went up last, and I was wasted, because at the time, I didn't have any respect for the <laughs> for the art form, and it was like, I went last and had like about three tequila shots, and I was like, well, uh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I remember that. Yep. That some Classic. I made a good time, impression. Time has passed, and I've we're still here. Um, good times. Uh but uh, but yeah, so Lance, we, you can catch Lance at the Village Village Underground a lot. Village Lantern. Village Lantern. Village Underground is not. It's around the corner. They're <laughs> better. Yeah, they're better than. You're I playing. Am. You're playing Triple A. They're playing Major League. I'm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the way to do it. Or Double A. Double A. Double A. Yeah, I'm huh. below the underground. Okay, <laughs> it's yeah. a sub basement. Yes. Um, we're gonna talk about the just like the you know since Lance owns a pretty good tours, a pretty That's good tour right. company. Pretty good tours, NYC. Walking tours. I wanted to talk about business owner. I am a small business owner. Oh hell yeah, yeah, dude! I have so many so many life questions to ask you. Uh, and I wanted we talk about Lance. I think you have some valid and interesting opinions. And now I want to hear. I just want to hear about your experience about <laughs> uh, valid in the sense that you own a business and valid in the sense that you take tourists around our fair city all the time. Yeah, I think that's the first time anyone's 
complimented my opinions as valid. So yeah. I, <laughs> I also want to slightly interject and say, you know, I've listened, I listened to, you know, the first few episodes and since then you've really come into your own as a, as a host. So <laughs> he's oh, really blossomed this yeah. year. I know you can I, just, he's like in it and you know, I, terminologies, the New York versus everyone, New York versus it's everybody. Real good. I just, look, I don't want to look, I've, I feel look, like I'm taking away. If we're, if we're doing, if we're doing stats here, I've reduced my ums and likes by 50% from the start of the season to the middle of the season. That's, that's uh, like, let's hear it. That's, that's in podcasting, you know, in this day, Data, as a millennial who's obsessed with data in sports and podcasting, I just think that's an important demographic, an important uh, statistic that's really going to take our podcast to the next level. And then we're going to talk about statues, statues in New York City. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, so New York versus everybody. <laughs> do you think New York could be its own independent city state? Yes. <laughs> I have a, uh, a New York-centric uh, memory to uh, experience to share with you. Oh, yes. Um, because it, I, so this weekend, Brian, this is big news. I know, right? I, you, you gave me a little, a little morsel of what this is about, and I'm excited. Oh about yeah, it. yeah. It's it was not pre-planned. Uh, I went to um, I was in Sheepshead Bay for something, and I was like, I'm, well, let's go eat like at like one of the like when in Rome, you know? Yeah. So I stumble into Cafe du Chambe. I want to give them a shout out. Uh, because it was one of it was extremely affordable. It was like for two people that had like four or five courses. It was like thirty five bucks. Oh wow! And it was amazing food. Dushanbe, as I learned when I was sitting down at the capital, Tajikistan. What? And Tajikistan is a critical demographic. They are our main core listening group. <laughs> they are our indispensable. Like they are to us what like millennials are to. I don't know businesses that don't make a profit. <laughs> when we when we launch our launch our Patreon, our number one goal is to get enough money to fly us to Tajikistan and do a show for all our Tajikistan yeah, fans. Absolutely, yeah. like the Tajik penetration is like the main stat that me and Brian talk about when we do like Goodwill hunting style whiteboarding sessions. Yeah, and uh, I cannot wait to get to Dushanbe with our Patreon proceeds because this food was if you like rice, if you like lamb, if you like spiced meat, if you like. Oh my God! The bread that they gave, they brought out this the bread. Thousand, the thousand bread right that they brought out was the the butter was like made authentically with love. None of this like or it put everything like farm the table to shame. I don't know where this came from. I don't know what, what street is this place on. It was on Sheepshead Bay Road and just south of whatever expressway that is. It's right near the water. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Cafe Duchambe. It's in, and and. The br- I literally the, the first thing that I ate was the, the bread and, and butter and I was like this it was dense it was hot it was I was like this, even this is already good and then it only got better from there the, 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 it was a shish kebabs type stuff that they were nice. serving unbelievable Tajikistan I could not love you anymore nice so Cafe Dushanbe shout out see that's the only kind of things that can exist here in New York City I think that you don't you're not getting classic Tajikistani food in uh, your, your Tuscaloosa, Alabama's. Maybe that's, you are. That, no, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, it, it, uh, you probably, it, like, I, I would not be surprised if someone was like, actually, the biggest uh, Dushanbean population outside of Tajikistan is in New York. You know, that's like one of the magical things. And you could just always find new ones of those around here. Yeah, I think it's just the amount of different groups that are here. I mean, I think there are populations of yeah. you know, any immigrant group that has a substantial stronghold in some random place. Right. But they're not all... In one place, except right? For they're New not York. right on top of each other and next yeah. to each other. So, so you, you have no yeah. possibility of getting any kind of, literally any kind of food in the world you want any other place in America, other than L.A. Probably, yeah. Um, well, 
we when we eventually quit on New York and move to LA, we'll we'll have to explore that thesis. <laughs> but I won't quit on New York yet. Um, you know, but and I think well, I, I want to talk because New York is just such a city that like bleeds into each other. Like every neighborhood, and it's it's slowly losing that. You know, I just finished the Jeremiah Moss Vanishing New York book on Lance's recommendation and Charlie, our other previous Charlie Walden's recommendation, and uh, I'm just like. Stark raving mad because we're losing that though. I think you know you certainly saw that in the East Village and you, so some neighborhoods that you you you're they're going to see turnover and change. But now we're just kind of losing like where it was a true ethnic uh, community like making food, whether like in a working class neighborhood like Sheepshead Bay or Bay Ridge or something like that, where you could get some great like Middle Eastern food and Italian food right on top of each other. Um, what were you going to say? Absolutely, and yeah, and absolutely, like one of the things that. Um, was integral to this experience was the fact that it was part of an authentic community. I mean, there was, they had r- r- some, the first re- the menu they tried to give us was in Russian. So she'd be like, oh, sorry, these ones in Russian. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and like if without that, with that, with it just being someplace in Manhattan that were serving it, it would be completely different. There's a great line. I never read uh, anything by Robert Carroll, but I know that he has this great line about how of all the world capitals uh, that have ever existed, they all have like defining characteristics. And the the characteristic that defines New York is that it is home to so many people. Yeah, unlike oh, you know, like yeah. a transient center like Washington D.C. or like you know Vienna and like the time of Mozart. Like New York is home to so many millions of people authentically. For sure. And if you extend it out to like the tri-state area, like where are you from, Lance? I'm from Long Island. Yeah. I was actually born in New York City. What, but, what hospital? Uh, New York Hospital, I think. I might be wrong. Yeah, or um, it wasn't. I was. I say, don't know where it is. So yeah, right, So New I York, think there was yeah. one in Queens. Yeah. And I think there was one in Manhattan, and I was born in that one, but that's like no longer there. The, I don't same, really same know. Vin- so Vincent. so interesting yeah. you bring this up because yeah. Kate, my girlfriend, asked like where I was born, <laughs> and I ha- didn't know the place, and yeah. she thought I was insane because I didn't know like the hospital where I was born. So I, yeah. I texted my mom and she's and but we looked up everything and that hospital's not there. Yeah. So we but we I. Whatever. That's it, that's the story. It's probably, I mean, of hospitals that are, the most famous one that's no longer there is St. Vincent's, which yeah. is also the famously now a victim. I mean, you're doing, are you doing walking tours in Greenwich Village now or like that? Uh, yes, I'm doing the one in Greenwich Village. I just do like the 60s kind of folk poetry right that, that type of thing the, i don't do the, I don't the original instance, well the but, original gentrification yeah. and that like i think that was the but it was an interesting thing because it's like greenwich village and i talk about this in the moss book too held on to that held on to kind of like a bohemian uh vibe for a while or a lot, lot longer than yeah I think. it's in the dna of i mean what's interesting about greenwich village i mean even today too is that uh, jane jacobs says you know like one of the reasons if you read like one of the reasons she was attracted to Really, I mean, Greenwich Village, West Village. Right, yeah. Semantic specifics, but she liked, I guess, the far, really the West Village um, because the streets are unpredictable. Right, Um, yeah. And because of that, it gives all disorder, and she has all these theories about that. But uh, because of that, it's not rigid, it's not structured, so it's maybe not as conducive to that uniformity that you see elsewhere. Oh. So maybe it could preserve that because it's so unpredictable and strange just the way it's set up. I like that because well, the, one of the things that 
always appealed to me about New York growing up. I, you know, similar to you, I grew up in Westchester County, which has similarities and differences to Long no Island. Similarities <laughs> no similarities. <Zero>. No, <laughs> we can talk about the great Westchester versus Long Island civil war that is in- incoming in the next decade. Yes. Um, if you trap a specimen, you can actually like buy, like analyze the biceps and tell where they're from. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, this tribal tattoo is actually from a region in Northway Plains, <laughs> as opposed to this one that comes from Comac. Um, but actually, so that the, the idea of randomness and random interactions and Jane Jacobs theory, because I was, I've been reading a lot in an effort to be more responsible and not get drunk before I do sets and be lead a healthier lifestyle is I've been, uh, like reading a lot about like neuropsychology and like how exercise and certain sleep patterns can impact your brain. But a big thing is that like even running is really good for you, but actually even better is if you don't run the same exact pattern a lot of times. So if you, so it's like a matter of somebody gets into, at first they start running and they get into this like loop where they're like, Oh, I feel great. I just ran two miles and I feel a lot of exercise. But if they keep doing that, it becomes like a rat in a, in a wheel. And so if you, if you just change your route, it's like a simple, as opposed to making a right, you make a left someplace. Also like your marginal happiness and the people they study goes up. It's like simple. That makes sense. Yeah. So I wonder if that, I I wonder if your happiness plummets, if you're one of those like UK people that paints pictures with that running app, you know, (laughs) have you seen, Mm. have you seen that? Yeah. They draw like giant. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, it's an app that tracks your route when you run and people have like taken it to, to make like super elaborate because in like really densely populated places you have like streets that go every which way so they can like plan out how to make it look like a do intentionally do it. So you have like a smiley face or something. I mean, I guess you couldn't have that. You'd have to be a pretty, Intense long jumper. To face, <laughs> you somehow jump from like Midtown to yeah. like uh, to Gramercy, yeah, yeah. and just like uh, plant your feet like gymnastics, like you're not moving. You know, there's no trail. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, Lance, you're. I don't remember what I was okay. saying. At all. I would like to say that um, speaking of the idea of, of hospitals and where you're born, uh, this is relevant to my interests because. When I was in high school, I remember we learned about the concept of total velocity, which is that if you go like 10 feet that way and then 10 feet this way, your total velocity is zero um, because, you know, you've negated what you did. Uh And so I was like, oh, my God, I want to make sure that I die at Michael Reese Hospital when I was born so that like no matter what, I had a total velocity of zero. You were a net zero velocity. Yes. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, got knocked down and that's actually where they were going to put the Olympic Village in Chicago when they were like launching that horribly ill-advised uh, campaign to get the 2016 Olympics. But Lance, you might still have a chance. Zero velocity. Uh, yeah. Just die around here. Interesting you bring that. I don't want to get into a segue, but Olympics. It is interesting thinking about how, maybe a natural segue, thinking about how the city is designed, um, especially in the, you know, uh, going back to Jeremiah Moss's book, right. um, talks a lot about the, the Bloomberg administration yeah. and kind of, I my theory about, you know, just talking about like, well, it's interesting, right? I did not move to New York until 2012. So right. like, for me to be like New York is you know over. Yeah. I mean, it's a, like absurd. A, a refrain we've yeah. heard. New York is heard it's, throughout its history. It's an for absurd sure. thing for me to yeah. be like. It used to be. I wasn't here. Like so, yeah. we have this running joke with my uh, my sister was born in 1994. Yeah, and she we have this running joke where like she's like I remember the Backstreet Boys. You know, she's like four <laughs> years old. Like that's yeah. like to yeah, me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I I don't know if I'm in a position of authority to be like it's a bummer that New York isn't what it was. I just wasn't here. So it's not like my place to say that. Yeah. But I mean, I think anyone could say it's a bummer that certain things are a reality in a lot of neighborhoods and, um, it prevents other things from being there. Well, yeah. And, uh, going like the Olympics, what I think is really interesting, right? Remember 
uh, when New York was doing their 2012 bid and there were all these plans, I mean, I think the most notable was the Jet Stadium yep. that they were going to do on the West Side yep. and the mm-hmm. High Line. Was that David there. Axelrod that was behind that? Or he was he, he was one of the consultants that they hired? He was one of the consultants, but it was mostly a Woody Johnson project. I think Woody Johnson saw an opportunity to make somehow even absurdly more money. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they probably would have had, yeah. had it. I mean, but think about that. That would have reshaped the entire West Side Which in is a way. The, yeah. I mean, the High Line ended up going there and that has like changed things for what a lot of people would argue for the worst kind of ruining. Um, I mean, the high line is a, it's not for anyone who lives in Chelsea or the West village. It's for tourists. It's for Um, me when I have someone that comes to visit New York and I have no idea where to take them. And I mean, it it does like in theory, it's a great idea. It's, it's free. Well, it's certainly the, 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 the high line is certainly the example of in, public development as in all things the road to hell is paved with good intentions yes, where yeah. it's like you at first like people were like this is awesome i, I mean, mean it, it, i remember and, i actually yeah. went went uh like right after it opened and yeah. it was in uh, it was a few days before christmas so it was when no one was there. It was it was um, it was great. Yeah, it was unbelievable. It was like, and then I went back like two years later, and it's just a, it's swarming yeah, with yeah. it. Well, that's I think that's the thing that, uh, and I think culturally, that's the I think it points to both a business and cultural mindset shift. Because even though yes, and I was you know born in the late eighties, and I wanted to move to New York my whole life. I remember coming as a kid in the early nineties, coming to New York and being like, this place is nuts. This is so much different than my suburban yeah. like lifestyle. I want to come. And I like, you know, read all this reading a lot of books about like, you know, Greenwich, whether well, there's Greenwich, Greenwich village in the sixties and seventies. Like I was reading like James Baldwin and other country kind of books. And I was like, Oh man, which is actually the early nineties. No, not oh, the he's reading, he's I was reading, reading James, James Baldwin. Baldwin. He, was three. <laughs> he was four years old. He was just I, was, I, James came, I came when yeah. in the early eighties, I came out onto a rail. <laughs> and then three years later, I was down in great American literature. Yeah, I was just like really on the, on the vanguard of interracial politics in the late eighties as a, a four year old. Yeah, yeah, that reminds me of, uh, there's a funny, uh, not to sidetrack you, but this yeah. is, this is funny. Um, one of the, uh, in Christopher Hitchens, one of his criticisms of uh, Bill Clinton, uh, there's a speech that Bill Clinton had where he was talking about how uh, he resisted um, racism in the South. And there's a certain event that I forget what it was. It might have been uh, not George Wallace, but something like that. And he said, they didn't much like hearing us talk about how, you know, black folk deserved equal rights. But if you look back, Bill Clinton was like four years old at the time. So Christopher Hitchens is like, yes, one can imagine Bill Clinton in his piping trouble <laughs> reaching up to the <laughs> some big hayseed in Arkansas. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so you're in your piping trouble. You visited New York and no, reading well, James I'm just Baldwin. Saying, through, throughout my like, growing up into my as I matured into adult, I had a fantasy as we all do as people that maybe you know, especially like growing up in close proximity to New York, and we would go like I mean, as a teenager, you could go, yeah. go in and you'd go like I mean, in my friend group in particular, we'd go see concerts, we'd go be doing stuff that like kind of was the kids who grew up in Westchester and stayed in Westchester County were not interested in. They were like, uh, as far as I'm concerned, there's just a CVS and uh, uh, there's a there's a cheesecake factory. We got all we need. The city's just too much noise. Sounds you know? like Manhattan today. Yeah, I know. Well, that's <laughs> yeah. the thing. Then that's, I mean, so Lance and I could, and I feel like Lance, not to speak for you, but you probably had a similar thought where you're like, okay, well, we could like the idea of the abstraction of going to New York city as being a way to get away from our like suburban kind of like normal lifestyles. And, but now it's just been in, it's been kind of a little bit astroturfed and, uh, and neutered for the sake of these people that are like, Oh, I like the city. Now they have Seven Eleven and all these other things where it's like, it, it, it kind of feeds into the, it's like a sub they've fed into suburban lifestyle just in a more like dense grid. Um, so, but, and it's also, I feel like it's, it's made it, 
palatable for kind of like women to come, uh, women and men to like in their early twenties to come into the city and live kind of like a basically a basic lifestyle. Yeah, and, yeah. I, I loved how you started that. That's I where said, are you going? You're like, yeah, it was women. It was women. <laughs> no, women and men, like, uh, young women and men to come into the city and just like live in like what well, I would label them as the the basic army, the the North Face army to kind of yeah. populate the streets well, of Manhattan. It's interesting you yeah. say that, and I mean, I think I, I mean, when I moved here, I definitely. I think there's a few factors at play when you take the whole puzzle and I, I, you could touch on each of them individually and they all, I think, connect as a whole in yeah. some way. Um, one of them, I think, is the development stuff, the big money interest, yeah. which I think is probably the primary driver. But yeah. there's a, like a few sub ones. And um, I think one of them is the idea, you know, that's, I think, kind of pumped into uh, Ameri- American suburbs. Right. Uh, upper middle class, middle class to upper middle to upper class suburbs. And, you know, you go to college, right? And college is supposed to be, you know, the time of your life and you have an amazing time. You meet your friends for life and you're have such loyalty to the college and it's like your identity essentially. Um, and then you graduate from that college and you move, um, you know, to make money and New York city is one of the places where people will do that. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of, graduates will you know you move in with your friends and then you operate just in this very small um kind of circle or way of of navigating throughout new york city and um if you do that you know i think in in college environments everything's kind of catered to you right Right, there's like here is how you get this thing we're going to provide you with everything um you're on this campus and this campus is the best. So we're going to give you all of these right. resources. And then I think that mindset goes to like, all right, well, the city's here. Um, we're not going to really go out and explore it. We're just going to kind of do our specific things, go to the bars on third Avenue in yeah. the twenties, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, that we, yeah, the, yeah. The, if and you then, go there on a Friday night, yeah. And you can yeah. see, and what are the places that leak out those, what, what is the name of that one place in Murray Hill, that one tower that professor has, like, Tom, Oh, no, 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 you're talking Joshua about tree. Uh, uh, yes. We Joshua. all named different yeah. bro ass places. But like, I mean, you know, case. I, I, that was me. Oh, know? for sure. Me too. Um, yeah. That yeah. was me, uh, you know, for definitely the first year I was here, maybe a little more than that. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, just don't know better like i mean why would you you know that's That's just like what you're pumped the ideology is like pumped into people so this is interesting this is an interesting point because um i've so i work in like a startup and i've often thought of startups in that capacity like um we are uh you know teenager hood wasn't was invented in the last 60 years right And, to sell and, Yankee Coca-Cola. Yeah, sell that Coca-Cola. <laughs> and Fanta was invented to sell Nazi Coca-Cola. Exactly. Um, but, uh, you know, and then um, there, I've heard, you know, that it's people were even thinking about uh, institu- psychologists were proposing saying the 20s is actually going like to be extended an, adult, ex- uh, young an extended adult, developmental yeah. phase because actually there's a good... Emerging adulthood, I've, I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. And like, there's actually even a case for it because your brain's not finished developing. If yeah. you're a stupid guy, it's like we, our brain's finished developing like a Maybe any, any minute I mean, now. My brain but, isn't done. <laughs> my brain is like, So even <laughs> based on even just this physiological reason, there's a justification for doing that. And I'm very conscious of this sort of ever extending childhood, which is, of course, as you're kind of correctly diagnosing, mostly just a consumerist fiction, right? Like yeah. you, you go to college and they give you everything. And then you like, it's this seamless transition to basically kind of like a city where you also have everything around you. And it's kind of the same, like carefree, you know. 
and and I, I the, the company like the com- these companies that I work for like startups they're also kind of the same thing like yeah. it's like a playtime for yeah, adults like, like, ping yeah, pong tables. A, yeah, but my question yeah. is is this so is this something that is is unfair to asperse us with like is this not something that every generation would have wanted like um, you know, like we, if you, we, we've talked about this, uh, before when we were talking about New York, uh, this podcast, but like if you grew up in the city and then you're, you were the generation whose parents took you out for a, for a nice white flight, um, you know, and then if you, what you really wanted was, um, you know, to be free or whatever, not, not in so much density, then maybe you would create, you know, then that young person's ideal would be, you know, out in the suburbs. So like, is it fair to say that? Like we like that Manhattan has been created in the image of this sort of McDonald's playpen, you know, on a gigantic scale that they created for us. Oh, interesting. So you're saying like if you grew up in in a, a city environment as opposed to a suburban environment, would you want different things? Yeah, and is it and would that be um, it, well, like the idea that this this sort of like the really sanitized Manhattan is created so that we can have this seamless transition from like playpen to playpen to yeah. playpen to playpen? I I don't know if it's a I don't, that, exactly an, I don't know if it's exactly, and I don't know if it's exactly a urban versus suburban or even rural thing. I think it's like a predominant idea, and just I don't know, maybe the way like our parents parented, um, mm. in that like, it, like ma- like a lot of attention was focused. If you look back, you know, like their parents, you know, historically, I guess just let them do whatever. And I think part of that is maybe just the way technology evolved. Um, or the idea of, you know, I mean, I, I, I feel like I don't I even you, know enough to, well, I think you're right. I think, well, to back to your point too, about that, we like, you know, we are ever extending our, our youth into the, I mean, it drives me nuts. I have like, I've had, um, peers or the people that are essentially the same age range, like late twenties to early thirties. When I said I got a dog or I moved in with my girlfriend, they're like, Oh, Brian, you're so adult. I'm like, I'm 30 years old. Had this been 30, yeah. had this been 30 years ago, I would have had two kids and a mortgage. by yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I mean, I think a lot of it too, is that there's not, I mean, I guess economically, there's not many jobs that you would just do mm-hmm. at age 18 and you'd be able to make a living that, you know, a parent would be like, okay, well, you're good. I'm done with you. Um, you know, and now it's like, well, you have to go to college and get these, you know, I mean, all these white collar jobs, essentially blue collar jobs, you know, not necessarily around well, it's like cre- in the yeah. credential creeping too. Yeah. Right? Credential creeping, yeah, yeah. postgraduate degrees, all that. So it's like the way it's set up is that that's what's just going to happen. Another interesting way to look at it too is like, um, you know, the jobs of today take up less physical space than they used to. So maybe, you know, density, if there's one thing we know about like capital and especially the feeling of entitlement that comes with like generational capital, which I think our generation of our demographic can pretty fairly say that like we were raised with the expectation of like, you know, just basically unlimited comfort. Um, rich people like pay more taxes and are willing to live among other rich people. They want to enjoy their wealth by being in a place where they can spend it and like have fun. And so there is definitely a densifying, uh, urge that happens when you have money and when you, and so I think there's something like that, but then also the jobs of today, the service economy jobs for which you need to go to college, they literally, you don't need a factory. Like I work in an old, old apartment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so because of that, we're able to uh, indulge that and, and cram into these cities. And then I think another argument, and remake them in our image. Yeah. (laughs) Another argument is then like, what follows do the jobs or the money follow first? So just looking at real estate, which might be the driver in anything, I guess, you know, in post world war two, all the, 
incentives and the money were moved to the suburbs and look at all this land and we could develop and this is what you should buy or invest in. And then land in the city value decreased and then everyone realized, oh, well, the value of this land is so uh, you know, cheap, it's going to go up and then, you know, investments versus that and then people come. And so it's just cyclical. Or yeah, like and there's, there's a cyclical also definitely thing. A cyclical yeah. element well, it's cyclical, but that is also incentivized, highly incentivized by the government. You know, like, like they mean they subsidize. There's a reason why my... Yeah, and they, yeah, it's sort of directed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a reason why, the, A, the legislation that changed, you know, my grandfather, who's a New York City police officer, uh, he lived in Queens until the, like, the year they changed the legislation that you could live in Nassau, Suffolk, or, yeah. uh, or Westchester, or Rockland County and be a cop, they were instantly all of a sudden there's all these communities like ready set to not Levittown, close to Levittowns, but like that were ready set to go. And, and guess what? Everyone in the community was a cop or a firefighter. And it's like you, you see the and the with a mortgage that rate that was super low and like fit exactly a cop salary, you know? Like, yeah. Um, and then you yeah. saw all the donut shops opening. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and there was a real donut boom on Long Island in in the early 60s. Can and now there's a donut boom in Brooklyn now in the uh, in the 20s. Well, yeah. that's the, literally the worst of what Lance is talking except about. Except for though, except for, and actually Lance, I want to add this on your tours or I think I want, this is a pretty good tourist suggestion and I hope it doesn't blow up in the bad way, but seventh Avenue donuts uh, and diner here in park slope, fantastic donuts. It's a local business. that has been around for, for years. I think it's a, their, their donuts are, are legit and they beat donut plant donuts any day. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I have a question about a village institution. Do you have any idea what the deal is with the slaughtered lamb? I oh, don't. I know because on Great Jones Street. Yeah, yeah, but it yeah. seems like such a random like, that place, out I've, of pl- out I, of place. Place. Uh, I same. I we should look into this because that I actually is- don't. I do know is that um, Jones and West Fourth. I think that corner is the corner that the freewheeling it is. album. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is. It yeah, I don't know why I qualified it with. I think because yeah, no, it, it's a stop on my tour. So uh, when you when you, from that but, side from the side of the street that the slaughter yeah, land is on, if you look down, that's the side that Bob Dylan and his girlfriend are walking down. Wow. Uh, yeah, so that's yeah. the street. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, it's interesting, right? Things look out of place, and who knows? It seems like it's been around for a little bit. I always get the perception, but um, it's interesting. I I work in the financial district, um, and you see like every now and then you'll walk by a place that is just like withstood whatever change. And you're, you're like, this is from a generation ago. And yeah. it's just, that's another thing that I think, you know, when development happens too rapidly and you lose that, you lose all your sense of place and history and, and that's not good. I mean, no matter if you're in a city or a farm, you know, yeah. um, the slaughtered lamb. We should actually like. I've uh, Chris and I went there one time out of curiosity because it's like it's right by that West Fourth stop, and we we're like, we got to see this place has been here ever since we've I've lived in New York, and and I've never seen anybody in there. And it was normal. It was fine. I've never kind of seen normal. anyone. In it. I feel like there's people in there. There's like, but like it's yeah. always it's never it's always tourists. It has a dungeony basement. I've well, it's supposed to be like a London. It has like a theme of like uh, it's almost what I'd expect in like, like a Scotland. Yeah, yeah Scotland Scottish. or like it's almost well. Yeah, there is. Like, I mean, there is a history. I mean, not really. But um, the White Horse. Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, it was an Irish bar, but yeah. uh, Dylan Thomas like liked going there because it reminded him of you know oh, like Welsh it, you know, oh, places. Yeah. Um, so like there is. I mean, if going back, you know, all the years, you know, that culture was you know the first real culture in America. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's true. Um, well, the, uh, the the White Horse again is another one. If you go into the White Horse at an off peak time, it's still kind of 
a little bit bohemian, but it's like at peak times, it's like the tourist zone. Like, yeah. it's like everyone's like trying I, to, and nobody's even drinking themselves to death like Dylan Thomas did. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. Like, I never even consider it like I don't know if bohemian's the right word. No, yeah, because, we're writer center. Or <laughs> right, what, right. what I like about like places like that is you could see. I just like say it's like last generation New York. Yeah. Like, there's people there oh, who it's good. like. Yeah. I don't know. They might not have a phone or yeah, something. Yeah. And they like have an attitude that was before social media made everyone homogenous, you know, and uh, they're just going to say what they think. Don't really necessarily care. Um, when I was at the White Horse once, I mean, this is a funny White Horse story, I nice. guess. Um, it was actually right after my girlfriend and I saw Colin Quinn's New York story show Ooh. did you ever see that no I've it's really it, good yeah, it's really yeah, really good it was at the cherry lane theater yes right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, another it's cherry on, lane is great theater it's yeah. on netflix um yeah. so i'd recommend it sort of just goes through new york history through like essentially different ethnicities that oh, came awesome. here yeah. and it makes fun of everyone and it's really good <laughs> i mean it's it's part i mean it's really just new york habits and how all these different groups came in and yeah. formed like the new york personality yeah. um you know that's and, awesome yeah yeah i'll check um, that out yeah but uh, yeah, we went to the White Horse like after. Yeah. And um, the bartender's old guy. Um, and there were these drunk people next to us. And they're, you know, maybe early 20s and not yeah. doing anything, just being annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Irritating. And drugs. irritating relative to the rest of the bar. Right. Which, you know, there's a time and place to be irritating. Right. Like, right. That, wa- that wasn't. There wasn't it. the time. Yeah. yeah. They, they were the ones who were, who were yeah. overserved and they shouldn't have been like, and it was yeah. like, at so, a time where. So, yeah. Um, the bartender just like kicks them out. Nice. He's like, get out of here. And then they're just like, they're not from, they're, fr- I don't know where they're from, but yeah. the, one of them is like arguing, like, you can't kick us out. He's like, could you at least get us a cab? And he's like, are you kidding? And he just like gets them out. And then he just starts running. He's like, this is New York. This isn't Tuscaloosa's. He says, Tuscaloosa's. <laughs> and he's like, I can't believe the people here. He's like, you used to get stabbed here, and I was like, "All right, that might be it like." But it was great. It was like, "All right, maybe they all right, should get stabbed." I mean, you can't be our age and like be that person. It's it's not well, that's, authentic. That's you know? the thing, yeah. So then that goes yeah. back to like adulthood, or the, yeah. I, I think the ex- extension so, of the, yeah, yeah. Sorry, no, well, no. yeah. I mean, that guy. Who knows what that guy's life was before? But what I would argue is that you know, Real speaking violent. of what New York is losing, it's like this distinctness, uh, and I think every every. Place is losing it, yeah, uh, and it's a number of factors. I think social media is really one of the biggest, and obviously, there's I, I think there's definitely a lot of pros about social media and kind of interconnectedness. Yeah. But I mean, you see it affect everywhere, and part of this whole thing is that I mean, not just New York, but New York had such a I think I mean, it's hard to argue against had such a distinct personality, and that's getting chipped away. Well, the, with yeah. a number of things. So like that person, you know, I always think of like what is our generation's that guy gonna be like i yeah. don't i mean i have no idea well that's what i think that's the problem is that we we don't engage with a local culture because we've either been homogenized through yeah. social media engagement or whatever and i mean certainly we culturally here podcasting in brooklyn might have a, a lot different than the the drunks from tuscaloosa uh but the, i mean there tuscaloosa might be tuscaloosa is plural uh and <laughs> i don't like none of the tuscaloosa i'm glad i'm actually glad i think you, you mentioned tuscaloosa yeah, for whatever reason earlier there's been the, two the, tuscaloosa full circle. references two colin quinn references what other references will we circle back on? Uh, yeah colin quinn uh, also yeah. um but Good uh word cloud yeah but what <laughs> <laughs> we just spiking colin quinn this just becomes the colin quinn podcast uh, hey what's going on 
up. I actually uh, ran into. I ran into. Did he grow up in? I think he grew up in Park Slope. I think so. Yeah. yeah. And I also or went he to would Harris. hate this. Yeah. He, oh yeah. He would hundred yeah. percent hate this. Let's yeah. add him on Twitter yeah. at this. Um, and uh, but it, he wouldn't hate this. We were talking about real New Yorky, yeah. <laughs> and he'd probably yeah. hate us anyway. Yeah. I did actually one time. I speak. Me and Bukley saw him on the street, and he's like. That's Colin Quinn, and I was like, and I didn't, I didn't play it New Yorker cool at all. I was like, uh, hey, yeah. Colin Quinn, <laughs> and, I was like, and he just, he, he was very polite and was like, hey, and kept walking. And I was like, oh fuck, I, I totally fumbled that one. So Colin, if you listen to this, sorry. So there's there's one uh, thing that I wanted to ask you, which was um, one of the things that I've always sort of been aware of about New York. As I'm from Chicago, so I'm sort of a transplant here, and um, the propensity of people the fact that new york is a place where so many people like make it and make it and become famous and the culture of new york is amplified because it's the center of media right um ends up serving to make it so that a lot of people that are famous in the general culture are from new york and so i think that when you look at things like for example when i came here uh jersey was a really cool concept to me why because it was romanticized in like um, I, I'm actually ashamed to say this, but like my main association with Jersey was Coyote Ugly, because <laughs> 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 no, I, I already hate Bruce Springsteen and like um, I root against the Philadelphia Soul, so I don't like Bon Jovi. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, but I mean like you know th- things like like that. Uh, the reason why we amplify, we have any kind of cultural construct that reaches to Chicago about New Jersey is because it's next to New York. Yeah, and people from New Jersey have easy access to New York. And so a lot of the people that end up, you know, running uh, really consequential, uh, you know, multinational firms are do so area. because they're based they're, they're They happen to be born from around New York. And so do you ever think about the sort of serendipity of um, I mean, I you could argue that from the perspective of. Uh, the purpose of a city is to make it so that you want to be from around there, right? Like uh, from the perspective of what do I want to build? I'm founding a city. What do I want it to eventually become? I want it to become a center of culture such that it benefits, amplifies the the experiences of people around here and, and promotes them further in the culture. But from the perspective of someone from somewhere else, um, you know, New York obviously is a magnet for lots of people and there's that effect. But I also, a lot of my friends are from New York and, you know, like, for example, if one of you were to become like hit it big or something like that and get some sort of holding deal with the network, you know, you would be, which certainly has happened or host, would, or host a podcast in Tajikistan. Propaganda channel. Um, yeah. I mean like the, things like, or like Chris Rock, for example, you know, yeah. or Colin Quinn or any of these people who start off local and because they're from a center of culture, they have like a shorter access to getting that amplification. Uh, I don't know. Do you, do you have any like perspective on like New York's ability to offer that unique? Yeah. Well, number one, I mean, I would say it's undoubtedly a huge advantage if you're from, I mean, it's a huge advantage to be born in the first world, to be born at all. I mean, to be born at all is a miracle, right? You're competing against a lot of other fish, uh, so to speak. <laughs> That's a, right. So, uh, yeah. So like, um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a huge advantage, number one, if I think you're born, I mean, in a way where you have the ability to somewhat shape your destiny and then to be born near a city like New York, for example. I think what is interesting about New York relative to everywhere else that I've been is there is a culture, I mean, the way people work in New York is more intense, I would argue, than the way people work 
in most other places. Um, and you see that in any industry, no matter what it is. Um, I think any, anything I've done, anything I've seen anyone else do, I think you could name any random industry. I mean, even podcasts, right? Like, Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, from food to advertising to, you know, coffee. I was in Irving Farm, the coffee, you know, that coffee, it's like a small coffee. I wouldn't call it a chain necessarily, but they have a number of locations and it's, you know, a third wave coffee place. They're like, um, you know, high quality coffee. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you think you're just, the people there are just working at a coffee shop and they're trying to be actors or whatever. They're just there. Um, They're having these intense discussions about like the coffee industry. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, this is like, you have to like really work all the time if you want to make it in anything. Um, So I think that is pervasive. And that is still something New York definitely has, um, has not lost. And I think one of the reasons is because that's the only way you could make rent. Um, But um, I think that is something that, for whatever reason, New York cultivates. And I think there's a a number of reasons. I mean, people also aren't trapped by their homes as much. Uh, You don't really want to go home, you know, when you're in New York as as much because there's so much to do. And that's what I would argue things like seamless are so uh, pernicious because it's like, why would you go out and do anything when you could, uh, you know, order this food for too much money in your apartment that you don't actually like, but just do it because you're lazy and, you know, they're like like championing championing being useless. Being a lazy, unengaged piece piece of Um, shit where you're just like, and you're like, and And you're supposed to be proud of it. Like. It's it's sad, but it, where you can just sit and where you have the, the the sorry to interrupt you, but like you have the the what the advertised as the greatest city in the world at your fingertips, yeah. but you're gonna stay in and and just cruise uh, stranger, yeah, stranger and things, not go to Sheepshead Bay and get the best you know meal of all time, which yeah. sounds great. <laughs> it sounds like I'll be what there if, soon. What if this comes out like full circle and we ruin that business? <laughs> like it couldn't. I mean, it, it, it's people. It's immigrants from Tajikistan that own that place. Like, good for them. I hope that I can't get a table there. But I mean, I also like would love to go back. We got to go. I, we have it was to go honestly. With a, I, I'm, I'm not, gonna go there this weekend. Not. I'm not laboring this joke at all when I say like because it's not a joke. Like that was one of the best place that I've eaten in the last two years. I think. Nice. All right, I'm going. Um, I remember like when I started doing stand up, and you know, I still, still am about at the same level I was five years ago, but I think people came to New York. There were, there were people that I remember meeting that had come from other cities on the stage just to do stand up, just to do stand up. And then they got here and they're like, I'm terrible. Yeah, and exactly. How do I, why did I do, so, what did I ruin then, my life? And then, then we were like, then we were doing it, and they were like, you started in New York, and then like, because not realizing there's this yeah. whole other world of people that either go start in Chicago or in LA or in those or wherever, big, or I mean, ever, yeah, random like, places. Yeah, and yeah. then they come in, and then they're just like, oh my God, like the, the, they didn't realize the, the intensity is yeah. just so. I mean, magnified compared to anywhere, even LA. I've from you know what I've heard. Oh, yeah. David being like you, at you can't you can't the volume of of opportunity. Oh yeah. When I was there. in Chicago, uh, I I had no job after college, and so I moved back to Chicago, and I just like from Craigslist started writing for this like site that had not really that much of an audience. It was starting up. Within uh, like two months of being there, I had already been to like the. Christmas party that was hosted by like the um, NPR station there, like where they produce this American life. I had been on the radio during drive time because it's just the ceiling is so much lower that it's so much more accessible. And in some ways that's good, but I also couldn't help but think, and also obviously I came back here very willfully because even though it was more accessible, I couldn't help but think that, you know, if you really 
like being you need to be among the, the highest competition in order to yeah. feel well, more invigorated. Uh, yeah, I think we and I think also now I think if you can stick with it, there are really in, talented in York, people in Chicago. Yeah. And that's interesting because Chicago is a big place, you know, like. And it's Chicago, one of the top probably three places. Yeah. yeah, and Chicago. Yeah. Just to be clear, is like I was not in a, one of the com, one of the many competitive arenas of Chicago. Like, like I was I, just so good that. I, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Like I mean, like the improv scene there obviously is like ridiculous, and that yeah. those are the best improvers in the world. But and I was not competing against any, the best of anything in the world. But um, yeah, um, but yeah. Well, I think that's the. But I mean, I think with New York though, and certain that we hold on to this culture here, um, is that we can. Like I mean, I'm now I'm we're starting to see like people that are peers, some of them get some like success. And uh, so you're like, Oh, then all of a sudden you like around there, you're like, Oh, sh-. like, and the attitude I think of the New Yorker is like, Oh, I got to get better now. Too. Like it, it's like, you and t- the attitude is also like egotistical. Yeah. Like sometimes uh, like, I, I don't I actually don't really do this, but <laughs> I, in some ways will be like, Oh, I'm better than that. You know, yeah, it's oh, like yeah. you don't, or you I think not or it's, not, I'm, it's not, I'm not better than that. I mean, sometimes, but I think it's a, and it's the way, people interact with celebrities. You were talking about how you messed up because you were excited to see Colin Quinn. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, Oh, you're just the same as I am. Right. You know, there's exactly. no like mysticism as much. And like, if you're ogling over a celebrity, it's like, you're um, never going to be that great at anything yeah. because you can't fathom you, you, that you level have, of achievement. Exactly. You've put like a chasm between you and that yeah. person because they're not a human being. They're, they're a TV. And that's why like, people yeah, come to Demi-God. New York or yeah. LA, you know, right. those LA buses and right, it's like, right, right. To well, see your if you're house. on that bus caring about it, you're never going to be off the bus. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a good, uh, well, speaking of buses and bus tours, I've been, now that they've expanded into, so I guess the, that was a good conversation. I, I know we didn't get to, I don't want to go on to the second topic. I want to just skip right to the statues topic, if that's okay. Um, because I just want to get everyone's perspective. So Lenny, as a uh, Chicago, Chicago and become Brooklynite slash New Yorker, um, and Lance as a tour guide. And me, I want to debate. Like we can, we can talk about like the the recent debate we had about statues in the city. But I also want to get everyone's favorite statue in the city. You have to have one. Uh, my favorite statue. Well, off the top of my head, my favorite statue is uh, of Grant on Bedford. Oh, that's um, a good one. Because it was, um, first of all, it's just physically astounding. Outside like, the Bedford he, Armory. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Up near uh, Atlantic, mm-hmm. and it just says in big Roman carved letters, Grant, <laughs> and you feel like he's going to conquer you. And I think that he's a very deserving recipient of a statue. And the other thing that I like about it is that it was erected in like 1901 or something. Yeah. I, I think it was just to, to commemorate his, uh, I think he had died around that point. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I actually don't quote me on any of these facts, but um, I, I really like the fact that uh, Brian, you, you and I have joked about this a little bit before that, I totally embrace the fact that I'm saying like, I actually don't think anyone should take down statues, like whatever. It should be a local decision, but we won that fucking war. And this guy, and like this guy was fighting against slavery. We won. Our statue gets to stay up for as long as we want. Like, it's kind of one of the things. Here. It is one of those things where I don't know if, if my argument falls because my favorite statue is Grand Army Plaza, which is just a giant. It's a, it's a couple statues in one, but it's a giant like memorial to how we owned the South. <laughs> like it's the grand army of the Potomac that like that. And it's all civil, like Northern civil war generals. So, so I, I can see the South the people trying to defend the Robert E. Lee statues and being like, well, you guys can keep your Ulysses S. Grant statues. And like, here's the difference. We won. <laughs> and so also it, you were fighting to keep 
the right to own other people. So <laughs> I mean, like we can we can get into the nuanced debate about like you know people are like oh well he was actually you know I, which I don't buy at all where he's like oh he wanted to free the slaves but he was st- caught in the institution. I'm like okay, no, yeah. I, really I think it should be a local decision like you're saying. But um, but anyway, so my favorite is Grand Army Plaza just because it's awesome. But um, Lance, what's yours? Uh, I don't know if it's my favorite, but I think it's the most. I've always been the most intrigued by it. The Lenin statue. Oh, okay. Uh, so they're. Yeah. I guess backstory. Um, it's actually it moved recently. Yeah. Um, but I Red Square, which is a I guess really one of the first. Um, it's not really a luxury con. It's like a sort of a development. Um, that's a, was a, li- a little bit more. I mean, it's I guess I actually don't know how much apartments are in there, but yeah. it's, it's not you know your walk up. No. Where you're, you know, it's a, d- a development. It was, it was like uh, one of the first. Yeah, oh, it was in the nineties. Like yeah, yeah, the development wave. Yeah. yeah. Um, but. The I guess the owner landlords are uh, Russian, yeah. and uh, one of them was back in Ru- this is right after the Soviet Union collapsed, and he just sees the statue of Lenin in a ba- abandoned in like a backyard, and he's like, "I'm gonna take this statue," and he flew it out and put it on top of the building. That's awesome. uh, so it's just there. It's and not. It's not on the top of the building. It's on so, Houston, right? It, it was- yeah. So that that building's called Red Square, and they yeah. moved it, I guess, to another one. They that building was bought recently, uh, so they okay. moved Where it to uh, Houston and like in between Avenue A and B, maybe mm-hmm. on the north side. Um, and it moved to Norfolk, Norfolk, whatever. However, you know, I Norfolk, Virginia. I, no, yeah. Norfolk Street. Oh, Norfolk right? Street on Lower yeah, East Side. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. That makes more sense. Yeah. Um, to one of their other buildings. Uh, uh, nice. So yeah. it's actually harder. It's not as prominent because it had um, that awesome look when you're looking yeah. up. You could just see like, is that a statue yeah. of Lenin on yeah. top of that building? <laughs> like, yeah. And he's doing like his, you know, his, 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 his fist is up yeah. in the air. Yeah. Most crush capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I just think uh, it's like very. I don't know. It's random in a cool way. That's a cool one. That's cool. a pretty badass yeah. one. And that's, shout, yeah. shout out to the uh, Balta statue in Central Park, uh, which is my dog. And also, I thought it was cool that like this thing that happened in a really remote place in Alaska warranted commemoration in Central Park. And also, another favorite statue of mine from my youth was that over the Chicago Board of Trade, there's a statue of Demeter, uh, which I thought was cool because it's like she's the one of the goddesses of uh, some sort of harvesting corn or something, oh, nice. which is what they trade there. And I thought it was like... You know, finance is always trying to justify itself and like link it to a more noble history of humanity uh, to do its kind of fundamentally antisocial things. And so uh, the idea that like we've always celebrated the harvest, I thought was like a compelling thing for them to honor on yeah. the top of the board of trade. Yeah, which is the world's largest commodity. Also, I might add all of the statues at the wax museum uh, <laughs> at Madame Tussauds. Yeah, that has never been there. Yeah, <laughs> every person yeah, no, for one hundred and seventy dollars or whatever. It, is to you know, it's that much money? I have now? no idea. I uh, think it's like I remember looking once, like, oh, maybe I'll go, and yeah. then it was like a crazy amount of money. It's probably not that the much. only place worth going to in Times Square anymore is Jimmy's Corner. Jimmy's Corner is the best. I hope that also we don't ruin that, but it's the only like divey bar in, in, in yeah, you got to keep Times Square for the locals, yeah, and uh, yeah, so that's good. I mean, I'm trying to think of runner ups. I like the peasant woman in Central Park, I like the Seward statue because Seward is kind of like a secret, like low key American uh, history like figure but like had a huge influence on it so you know i like the uh the laguardia one you know where that one is no i don't know in um laguardia it's on laguardia place which is that small oh uh, yeah it's like in between washington square park and houston Uh, i guess it's west broadway yeah take it all the way up and you know that there's like a little like park kind of yeah and there's a statue of him in there and he's it's like you know it's height he was like really tiny oh yeah uh, yeah. and it's just like he has such a his facial expression is like very 
How is there not? Yeah. How is there not? Like, that's the thing about LaGuardia. I guess we have an airport, a horrible airport that's named after him, which is horrible because he was the one who had the vision that we needed an airport. But like, how is there not more? Like, I I was thinking about that. How is there not a more prominent memorial to Fiorello LaGuardia? Because he's a... a How much public infrastructure is named after Ronald Reagan, who could not have been more antithetical to public infrastructure? (laughs) exactly. And we got one thing named after LaGuardia. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. A a socialist who ran ran on a fusion ticket and ran New York City and was anti-prohibition, so... He's a he's a good one in my book. All right, well I think we're about time. Uh, Lance, do you have anything to plug? Pretty good tours. Uh, yeah, if you go and want to take some neighborhood walking tours, um, pretty good tours nyc.com. I'm actually working on, and they, they'll probably be up by the time this is think, published. Yeah. Uh, Greenwich Village Coffee Tour, Ooh, which you go cool. to four different places. Have coffee from all of them you want to get really Donuts. jittery yeah exactly <laughs> with lance yeah, on just, a just load up on the caffeine <laughs> yeah. no, that's like something i'm have i'm like figuring out like because it can't be just like jacking everyone up on so much caffeine that yeah. Donuts. Yeah. um we're doing that uh and donuts it ends at the donut pub which i think is talking about going oh, yeah. out to donuts the best donuts I think. All right. We'll, we'll have to have a battle. We'll, we, maybe we should maybe we should collaborate on a donut yeah. tour. Uh, yeah. by the way, best sandwich in the city, FICO's. Oh yes. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Katz is still provides value at that price. Katz is I think they're a little bit they're a little bit, a little bit but the sandwiches are so big. Yeah. Um but uh oh, so second tour is a East Village beer tour. Oh nice. Uh and are you gonna stop at ABC beer? Are you still doing trivia? Uh, yeah. still doing trivia, yeah, ABC nice. beer, Tuesday yeah. nights at eight o'clock if any it's also I got uh, guest host sometimes. Yeah, 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 Brian is guest hosted. <laughs> Where's that located? Uh Sixth Street and Avenue C. We got two listeners from that. I pu- plugged it last time I did. Really? I, I, and I don't know if they actually came back, but nice. to the listen hey guys, if you, the guys who I guest hosted the trivia, if you're still listening, comment, like and subscribe. I'm teching the show. Hopefully, this gets out by Wednesday at Union Hall of the Postman. It's a great stick sketch show. Oh, that's cool. It's nice. a, yeah, so that's a fun show. And I'm involved. I'm not on stage, but I'm involved in the way that I do the lights and the sound. And so I'm kind of like your the, presence is felt. Yeah, exactly. If anybody wonders yeah. what Brian looks like, you got some. Don't good, go to that show because he'll be not well lit. You'll have you'll have stage presence. Yeah, yeah exactly. I will sure. have stage yeah. presence in the booth behind the, the theater. Yeah. So. Uh, well, this was fun. Yeah, well, you know, Lance, listen, I would, you know, if I was good enough, I'd love to come back. You're welcome time. back anytime, yeah. Lance. Look, our 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 careers in this failing industry of entertainment and the city that is being slowly taken over by people we hate. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm not. I'm, I'm not speaking for Lance on that one. I'm speaking for myself. But uh, we're we're intertwined. We started our creative careers together in Corey Caney's class so many years ago, <laughs> and and uh, now we're we're continuing on that path. <laughs> cool. And, and Lenny, we we started our creative careers driving vans together. That's we did <laughs> yeah, true working men and now we're just caught up with all these uh, plutocrats yeah oh in big podcast money alright yeah. well this has been Infinity License everybody Lance thanks for coming on the show and uh oh Cafe du Chambe head over there yeah. if you like good honest food and rice and spiced meat and, mm, just do it see you in Tajikistan or Sheikh Sheepshead Bay everyone peace have a good one